0: Welcome back to another episode of How to Live the Podcast, where we have real meaningful and fun conversations with people who inspire us. And sometimes we just have them with each other.
1: We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Darron, and we're here to say we hope you are doing well in isolation.
0: Yeah, I'm doing pretty well in isolation. I feel like I've reached phase two being like, okay... Now I've accepted the fact that I'm at home and now I'm like a bit more used to it.
1: Yeah, same. And I have to say, I am enjoying the slowness, but like I'd love to just like be let out occasionally to like have a dinner party with my friends or like give my mum a hug, you know, the simple stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I did have a pancake party this morning with my friends over Zoom, so that was really fun. We all made pancakes and we sat down and
1: chatted. So that was like... You know, a breakfast party. Oh my God, that's amazing. I had a games night with my friends on Saturday night. My friend found a bunch of really good apps for us all to go on and we did like trivia together. We played this game called Drawful, which is kind of like Pictionary, but then you all have to like trick each other into guessing the wrong answer. And if you do, you get points. It's amazing. You would love it.
0: Oh, that sounds so fun. You know that they're doing now online Settlers of Catan.
1: Yeah, we actually tried to play Settlers of Catan, but we couldn't find a good app.
0: Oh, I played it. It was really, really fun. We'll have to put all the links for games in the show notes. So let's get into today's episode. So freaking excited about this one. It is with the amazing Erica Gerrards, the founder of Fluff. This incredible makeup company that's all about encouraging people to embrace their inner beauty rather than adding all the things onto their face all the time.
1: Can I tell you, I have been sitting here in my quarantine, Corona hole, and everything you listen to is about Corona. And listening back to this episode to do the edit, I was transported to a different time and I have just been left on this high of Positivity and inspiration. And I am so excited for everybody to listen to this conversation. It was recorded back in late Feb, before the world is what we know it as today. So it's a lot of fun, and we talk about a lot of really cool stuff, including having a business with purpose and profit and whether those two things can exist together. Erica talks us through all of her learnings on Gen Z as she is focused on the new generation, not on millennials like the rest of us. And she talks about so much more, her social media strategy, just how she's doing things differently. And wow, you guys, I am just a little bit obsessed with Erica. I got to admit.
0: I remember when she left our office, we all were giddy and we were all like, we're in love with Erica. (laughs) Someone was like, no, I'm in love with her. No, I'm in love with her.
1: (laughs) So we're all going to be arguing about who is most in love with her after this episode. Make sure you do do join us on Facebook, How To Live The Podcast, if you haven't already. We are going to be posting a video of our whole team talking about why they have stopped wearing so much makeup. And we've also got a little bonus question too from Erica on her personal beauty routine.
0: Stick around till the end of the episode to find out which dynamic duo is on the podcast next week. And until then, enjoy Erica. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We were excited that you're coming into our office today for many, many reasons, but also because lately, separately and together around the office, we all used to wear like a lot of makeup and, you know, went through all of our different makeup stages. And then about three or so months ago, we all just like fuck it. I'm <laughs> not doing that anymore. It's such a waste of time. Yeah. And now you will notice we are all makeup free.
2: <laughs> so good. Hey. Yeah. It makes I know. you be like, why the fuck did I like do this
1: for so long? Yeah. But it was funny because in the beginning when we stopped wearing makeup for me, I have bad skin. So like, that's why I was, I would wear like a lot of foundation every day and Bianca. Who works with us was a makeup artist before. So like it was a really big deal for all of us. And in the beginning, like, oh, I feel so underdressed now, or like I feel like I, I look feel dirty. Like I look tired all the time. Mm. What is that? I'm Why sure that you've like- done a lot of thinking around this <laughs> issue. <laughs> Why is
0: that like so ingrained in us as women that we need to put stuff on our
2: faces in order to not look tired? Men don't have to do that shit. These are all the questions we ask. And it was funny, when we first launched Fluff almost two years ago now. That was how we started our comms. We were like, why do we wear makeup? That was the biggest question we asked anyone who was really wanted to listen. And no one could really answer, especially when you probed them and everyone was just left with more questions than answers because you sort of have this automatic reaction of just, oh, I wear it because it's fun. It's nice. Like I feel good wearing it, which is fine, totally acceptable answer. And then if we probe a little bit more and we're like, well, why do you feel good wearing it? And people will pause and be like, I guess, you know, it makes me feel a little bit more confident. I feel a bit prettier, like I feel dressed up. And it's like, okay, cool. Well, that's fair enough. But how do you feel when you're not wearing it? Do you not feel confident? Do you not feel pretty? And then people will sort of pause for even longer and be like, maybe. And then we'll sort of ask, well, why do you think that is? And is it because over sort of decades, we've been told that your worth is to do with how much you have on your face or the clothes that you wear. And that's when I think the kind of penny drops of people and they're just like, "Oh yeah, fuck. Maybe I am a part of this sort of narrative of the beauty industry, which some people talk about as being really oppressive." And that's where I think it's a hard conversation to have because if people accept that they've been a part of that discussion or a part of that narrative, then they're almost sort of admitting that they've been told to be a certain way or that they've been slightly brainwashed you know and all those words are sort of they're super loaded and it makes it hard because on the other side of it beauty can be really fun and makeup is fun like i have a makeup company so obviously i don't hate it but it's just about recognizing where we've maybe been led astray and fluff's biggest message is like it's okay to feel more in makeup so long as you don't feel less without which I think is a really interesting point and what we're really interested in discussing. I love that. Mm. Even just
0: like hearing you talk about it, it makes me quite emotional because you're right. Like it's so subconscious. We all love to think that like we're fully in charge of our beings and all of our opinions and actions are our own. But when you kind of like start delving into it, it's
2: just not that true. Yeah. We all like to think that we're super self-aware and have our shit together and, you know, not insecure or anything, but there's layers and layers. And some people are more than others, but we all carry something, right? And we've all been taught to be a certain way or we've all been influenced by things around us, especially in the media. So it's hard not to have some kind of idea about how we should look or how we should act put upon us. Mm. It's really hard to resist that kind of messaging. Yeah. And I
1: love what you said that Fluff's messaging is all about it's okay to have fun and wearing makeup sometimes is fun and it can be a way of expressing yourself but also that you are still beautiful without it yeah yeah like you're whole without it yeah and then like it's just fun frills and additions yeah like it's same same you're no more beautiful it's just different it's like I'm gonna put on this different outfit and that is such a like hard mental switch. Cause I think even though we've stopped wearing makeup around here, sometimes like we'll have a big meeting or something and I'll be like, well, it's unprofessional mm. if people can see spots on my
2: face. Yeah. It's crazy. But I mean, that's why we're called fluff, right? Like we think makeup is great, but it's not necessary. It is just an additional, it's a layer, it's fluff. And we really want to build that awareness in not just younger generations, but women who are my age and women who are older, like they need the message just as much. Yeah, I'm curious as to what sort of triggered that in you guys. I was just like, I don't give a shit anymore. Mm.
0: I feel like it happened in a
2: lot of facets of my life
0: and makeup was just one of them that I was like, I'm really tired. I'm just going to get rid of all the stuff that I actually
1: genuinely don't care
0: about. Yeah. Makeup just went out the door from there.
1: And it wasn't like, oh, we're so beautiful without it. We don't need it. No, if anything, it was actually the opposite. Like now that
0: I'm sitting here having this conversation, I'm like, oh, I've just kind of accepted the fact that I look like
2: shit every day.
0: I'm not like, (laughs) oh, I'm so beautiful and like full. Like I don't actually feel that way. I'm just, I don't really look in the mirror anymore. (laughs)
2: But it's not that you look like shit. And that's, I think, a really interesting thing to talk about. I think that's... Our default is to say that, or for women to apologize when they're not wearing makeup if you bump into someone on the street, right? Yes. And you're like, oh sorry, I don't have any makeup on today. Yes. It's like, why so do we do that? You're right. That's what you look like, that's your face. Or if I see a photo of me without makeup on, you know, a couple of years ago, I would have been like, Oh, I'm embarrassed or I don't want to see that photo. Whereas now I'm just like, that's my face. Like, I need to accept that and come to terms with it. And one of our other big messages, and it's a sticker that we all have on our phone, is I'm prettier now that I don't care and we really, really feel that and the girls that come into our studio and talk to us share that same sentiment that it's something about not caring and just losing your expectation around how you look and how you're perceived by people that actually makes you more beautiful, like there's something really attractive about that confidence in a girl or a woman and I always say that like the most stereotypically beautiful woman could walk into a room like your supermodel and you'd be like oh fuck she's amazing right but within three minutes of sitting down with her I could be like you're so ugly on the inside right or you're not attractive or the beauty just fades and then literally as we get older like how beauty will go to some extent but then you can have someone walk in a room and we still kind of have to talk about Your non sort of stereotypical beautiful girl or traditional beauty standards could walk into a room and you might not look twice, but after talking to her for like 20 minutes, be like, I'm in love with you. Like, you are so beautiful. Mm. And that's this confidence or this awareness. I think that why do some women have it and others don't? Where they're just like, I'm not defined by my face and what I look like. Like, it's us sort of having a connection and a conversation, and that's what's beautiful. And we find, like, the work that we do, we're so emotional. We bloody cry in the office every day with what we're sort of talking about and doing and experiencing with girls and women who are sharing these similar sentiments but it's hard because we're like god we sound like walking cliches every day and you know everyone in the beauty industry says it's what's inside that counts and then you're like oh god that is actually true (laughs) but how do you make people genuinely feel that when every beauty brand says that but then also tells you to just put more and more on Mm. it's really contradicting and I love how you said that you know you
1: guys are like crying in the office and I feel like with all of this shift towards vulnerability and And authenticity, you know, people are tired of social media being so fake Mm. and polished. I feel like this all goes in with that is everybody's just ready for something more real.
2: Yeah, we talk about that a lot and the crying in the office is like either when people come into our studio and sort of share their experiences with makeup or their stories and you just feel like so much empathy towards them and you you just want to give them a hug. But then it's also like we cry because it's like really frustrating and hard to try and get our message across when typically the beauty industry tells a different narrative and it's like how do you be seen as like truly genuine and wanting to do something outside of just making money as a business when really everyone's saying that that it's like, no, we actually really do care. And yes, we need to make money as a business to survive, but surviving just means we can share our message more. Mm. Mm.
0: We have those conversations internally as well because with our shoe brand, we've put a lot of our values into it. They're vegan um, Mm. and we support other women in business. But yeah, it is this hard thing where we just want to put our messaging out there. But at the same time, we are a business and we do need to
1: sell shoes in order to stay alive. So it's this really weird time and stage? Well, we were doing this meditation course last week and the person who was running it was just this amazing like ethereal guru. But so there was just like Q&A every day and you could just ask them about things. And I said to her that Jess and I are both really interested in the values of our business and what impact we're having on the world. And the more that we lean into that stuff, we're like, oh, but we're just a shoe brand, should we be all like quitting our jobs and going to like actually like be Protest. on the ground? Yeah, yeah. like freeing animals from their cages and all that stuff. And what she said was she's gone through that herself as well and she moved to Africa for a bit and was building a village, but she realised she's not the strongest person. Like there's only so much she could do, but she's really good at fundraising. So then she started to host dinners and she started to speak about the cause and she was like – Everyone's always going to be wearing shoes. People need shoes, totally. but they might as well be buying them from you guys who are doing good with it, who are not killing animals, harming animals to create these shoes. And I guess it's the same with you that when we first looked at your business and we were kind of chatting about it, we were like, well, if they stand for all these things, why makeup? But it's like, well, people are always going to be wearing makeup. They might as well be buying it from a company that isn't going to be telling them that they have to be wearing
2: this makeup to look beautiful. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, my biggest challenge. And I think about that all the time. Like, how can we have a business with both purpose and profit? Like, or can those two things exist together? And I really think that they can. It's just about constantly coming back to that. Why are we here? Like, what are we doing this for? And I'll be the first to always say the world doesn't need more makeup, the world doesn't need more shoes, right? Like there is plenty of stuff out there. But what we do probably need is like better makeup, better shoes, and most importantly, better brands with messages with people behind them that consumers can relate to and connect to because I think we're in a time where there's so many faceless brands and copycat brands and people just putting stuff out there and really taking advantage of impressionable younger people as well who are sort of just wanting to give their money to anything and everything that convinces them that buying is going to make them feel better. So, yeah, again, like our business model is a little bit backwards. And it's interesting when I talk to investors because, you know, we're a makeup brand encouraging our audience to wear less makeup and then you know we're digitally led but we're trying to encourage people to spend less time on their phones as well
1: yeah
0: that's really
2: yeah, funny it's tricky so
1: we'd love to hear a little bit about your background and what led you to creating this brand fluff what did you study at university
2: I studied journalism. So I always wanted to be a writer because I'm super interested in people and telling their stories. And I remember when I was probably like 15 or 16, I was obsessed with two journalists and it was Sarah Wilson and Mia Friedman and just loved their stuff. And I, I particularly read something from Sarah Wilson and it was if she was in my head and had just articulated what I was thinking. I was like, wow, I would love to be able to do that for people. Tell a story or write an article that connects to someone where they're just, this is a shared experience or feeling. And that's where I got sort of obsessed in terms of feature writing and freelance writing and was like, I guess I'll study journalism because I was still sort of down that path of having to choose a degree in a career. But my uni degree was pretty useless other than it told me that I didn't want to be a journalist (laughs) and I was lucky enough to be offered a job while I was finishing my degree in a marketing agency because I entered a competition to win a website to be built um, and they just loved my written entry and were like will you write for us so it was like very serendipitous one of those sort of fork in the road moments which definitely paved the way for the rest of my career and that was really also the start of the writing agency that Bree, Jess, and I started together, which was Willow and Blake, which then led to the creation of Frank Body with Steve and Alex as well. And that's obviously the shortest version ever yeah. um, of a career. But, that's perfect. you know, that's how it happened. But I always say, like, my passion or where I started was just people. And I'm still super curious about people and trying to connect with them and tell their story in some way or create a brand that speaks to them and their experience. Mm. So did you always feel
0: like you wanted to run a business or that's just kind of been like what's come of your
2: skills and interests? It really kind of just happened to me in some ways like I thought that I would be an editor of a magazine that was sort of the earliest memory I have of a goal really and I think that first job I had at a marketing agency, the managing director started it when he was 19 and that sort of set this example where I was like, shit, I'm actually behind. This is what you have to do, start a business (laughs) when you're really young. (laughs) Yeah, it was good and bad. What was the marketing agency? Cassette. "Oh, Oh, yeah. Cool. And Charlie taught me so much. Like we really learnt a lot together. It was when social media was not really even a term and businesses were just starting to use Facebook for their marketing. And so he was great, taught me a lot about management and culture and the type of business that I would want to create one day. But my role moved from copywriting to account management and all I wanted to do was write. And I was so young and naive that I was like, yeah, this is all I should do. This is all I can do. I'm not going to put any more sort of rungs on the board working for someone else. And so I say that I had this naive optimism where I'm like, yeah, I'll start my own writing agency because... We have PR agencies and design agencies but no writing agencies where that's all you do all day. And Jess and Bree shared a similar kind of idea and sentiment so we're like, Yeah, fuck it. Let's just do it.
1: And you said then naive optimism. And I feel like that's just always looking back, you call it naive, but at the time, it's an amazing driver. Like it's the reason you dive in and it's the reason beautiful things get created.
2: Yeah. And I can now appreciate where that came from. And I guess even my parents and what they encouraged me to do when I was younger. So. It's helped me dive into a lot of stuff at Fluff as well and I encourage that in anyone who's trying to start a business because like self-doubt and fear can really kill those opportunities or taking those opportunities when they present themselves.
0: And I also do think there's definitely something in being that young, like, yeah. you know, the way these startups and amazing things are happening to like 19 year olds or like early 20s, because the older I get, the more I just feel like life beats that stuff oh, out yeah. of you. And then by the time i mean, I'm only 27, but I imagine it just keeps getting worse until, you know, you're in your 40s and you're like, oh, I would never take that risk because <laughs> i seen it fail a million times you
2: have it I think this energy in your 20s that is like no one can take it away from you and the world is just being presented to you as like the best oyster ever and Mm. you're just like fuck I want it all yeah and I possibly can do it all and yeah there's a lot less to lose and risk and you know it's been really interesting for me since leaving Frank Body and then sort of starting again at 26, which was still super young to start a business and even running a business at 30 is still young. But I definitely don't have as much energy as I did when we started Willow and Blake. And that's really interesting and and challenging for me too, because I beat myself up about that, that I sometimes don't want to work or that I want to just spend time with my friends where I'm like, fuck, where did that never ending energy go? Mm. Yeah, it's a challenge.
1: Yeah, it is. But I feel like it also is our shifting mentalities as not like we get older in age, but as we get into now it's 2020 that people realise that just being all about work, that there is a lot more to life and it used to be like work-life balance, but now I feel like we have a broader idea of what that is and, you know, for us we're rethinking workplace culture and why have we always done it this way where we have to work ourselves to the bone. So I feel like it's not such a bad thing that you're
0: totally rethinking
1: that.
2: Mm.
0: So we are super excited today to chat to you about Gen Z Mm -hmm. because as we touched on earlier, we do not have our finger on the pulse. (laughs) And we think that it's really interesting when everyone is still so focused on millennials as their biggest target market. And we
1: definitely are guilty of that as well. Yeah. And I didn't even think about anything beyond millennials I until I read an article <laughs> on you a couple of years ago. I think it was in Startup Smart. Yeah, yeah. Oh, everyone's talking about millennials. What about Gen Z? And I was like, guys, what about Gen Z? Are we thinking about Gen Z? <laughs> and we were all like, we don't know We're not them. Yeah, <laughs> We don't know how to tell that.
0: But why did you start to think about Gen Z? How did that come about?
2: It's funny when people ask me about fluff and why I'm doing it or how I ended up in the beauty industry because I'm not beauty obsessed. I never really cared that much for it like I use makeup it was great but I was just like oh yeah whatever and fell into the beauty industry through Frank Body and a lot of the other clients that we were working on at Willow and Blake and at the time we were writing for millennials and everyone would come to us saying our demographic is 18 to 35 years old and I think an element was just being quite bored of talking to that audience and feeling like I was talking to myself and not really learning anything and I think there are a few things I was just like you know this 18 to 35 year old bracket like they're just getting older like what is next and I think this millennial age group is very stuck in this sort of same same mentality and it was because we were sort of introduced to Instagram and influenced by it I think, in a way that's very different to how this younger audience has grown up with it and has more of a critical lens on social media. Probably even more personally was that my three, I keep calling them younger cousins, even though they're like young women now. We oh my God, as well. the as well. They will forever be my
0: little baby cousin. Yeah, absolutely. Like the one's 18 now and yep. I'm like, oh, you're still in diapers? Yeah.
2: <laughs> so they're now, I think, twenty eighteen and... 16 or something but I feel like they're my little sisters and watching them grow up as teenagers has been so interesting in comparing it to how I grew up and I think I was just really concerned for the way that social media was going particularly around beauty and fashion that was potentially influencing them or I saw how it was influencing them and the time they were spending on their phones and the messages that they were getting from brands which at the time I was one of those brands with Frank Boddy in. You know, we started with our goal and our sort of message, which was more around like empowering women in their beauty routines and celebrating being a bit cheeky and confident. But they kind of got to a point where I was like, I feel like this message has kind of got a bit out of control or isn't what I actually wanted to say. And I felt this responsibility, you know, not just for my cousins, but then for their friends and all the other girls in the world, particularly just as a girl. I know I always talk about girls, but that's the experience that I know. And I wanted to be a better role model. I really started thinking about my influence or a brand's influence. And that was probably because, you know, Frank grew so quickly and we were exposed to so much in a short amount of time. And I spent a lot of time in the US on the brand. And I met with so many founders and so many influencers and so many consumers. And there was just this... I guess, insecure energy in that everyone was feeling influenced and in the wrong way and was feeling this pressure to emulate what they were seeing online and to be a certain way and just this constant comparison. And then I was like, oh, like what role have we played in this? And it felt too hard to kind of change that from within at Frank Body, which was kind of one of the reasons I decided to leave. And that was why I was like, cool, if I'm doing something new, I've learned so much in the beauty industry. I feel like there's another brand in me. And it's harder probably to change the mindset of millennials because it's really ingrained, whereas these young people who are still really figuring themselves out, absorbing and consuming all this information, like there's something interesting there. So we've kind of read
1: about how you went on this journey of discovering what makes Gen Z's tick and I feel like you're so ahead of the game in that because still so many brands don't at all understand Gen Z, what are some of the things that you kind of learned along the way when you were doing all this
2: research into Gen Zers? Well, it's funny because the biggest thing that we know our learner's like they just hate being referenced as gen z and it's (laughs) funny because everyone talks about them but i'm like we kind of have to stop doing that because they're just they're just people right and that's the thing it's like what is age really you know and yes in terms of marketing or advertising we we kind of need to put them in a category because they do have slightly different behavioral or consumer habits than millennials but We can all relate, right? And that's the thing. We have these girls and guys coming into our studio every day and we spent a lot of time before we launched speaking to hundreds of people like mostly in Australia but also overseas and just connecting on, hey, I've also been a teenager. What's the difference in how I grew up and how you grew up and the information that you're consuming compared to what I consumed? But I think some of the takeaways or what we really know is that I think the millennial group really want to be seen as having fun, whereas Gen Z's or younger consumers just actually want to have fun. And there's no lens of what that looks like. Having fun can look raw and it's lo-fi and it's like unpolished and unfiltered, whereas the millennial version of having fun is very... Pretending to have fun and take an
1: Instagram photo of here's my meal that I'm not actually eating. Yeah, they sound way better than us. Yeah, oh, they I sound love like they it. have
0: it together. Yeah, like, they know. We've spent all this time pretending to have fun, and now we're like coming up for air. We're like, <laughs> shit, we forgot to have any fun along <laughs> exactly. the way.
2: Exactly. We, you know, I have a whole photo album of fun, but it doesn't really mean anything. Yes. yes, even the fact that they
1: don't like being called Gen Z. When people branded us millennials, we were like,
0: yes, we're know, millennials, 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 like, pink. or we're just yeah. sitting on right now. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
2: so that's the thing like they don't like being stereotyped or put in a box they just want to be spoken to on their level and given credit and they want to be heard and I think that's what a lot of brands haven't done they just go oh you're young you're a young person you're a gen z what's that like instead of just being like hey let's chat
1: Mm. and
2: I find it funny when people say that you know all this stuff about gen z or you've nailed it and I'm like there's not that much of a strategy. Like I just listened and they come in and I, I never have any sense of like I know more than you do. I know different stuff to them, totally, but they school me like every fucking day. The stuff that they tell me is so interesting and it's very honest. Literally from an aesthetic point of view on Instagram, they have no filter and then from a genuine behavioural interaction, there's no filter. I'm amazed at what 15-year-olds come in to fluff and sit and tell me as like a 30-year-old and then our six other staff members are just, I think this is shit about your business. I don't like this. And I'm like, oh, thanks. Okay. (laughs) I'll take that on board. You know, it's just, they feel like they can contribute and they should feel like they can, you know, so long as they're willing to engage in like a conversation and, and for that to be two way and to learn from us too. It's actually so interesting. And it's what I think most brands don't do. But it seems so obvious, like hearing you talk about it, you've just kind of
0: approached it in this really human basic way. But you're right. It's something that no one thinks about doing or even tries to do. And I guess if I'm thinking about it about our own brand, you know what you said about talking to yourself, that's exactly what we do. It's almost, oh, I don't have to ask because I already know. But then it's pretty amazing for you to just kind of be like, oh, no, I just want to sit down and... I'm a sponge.
1: Yeah. Tell me what you want to tell me. That curiosity is yeah. really lost in a lot of brands. But yeah. but through you having that, that's how you've built what you're building. Yeah.
2: I think to be curious and to be a sponge takes a lot of time. It's super laborious as a brand, which a lot of brands, you know, they're just trying to go harder and faster. Our internal narrative is that slower is actually faster. And it means that, you know, I might sit and talk with a girl for an hour And 45 minutes of it is absolute dribble and shit. And, we, you know, it's just talking about what they hear, what's going on in their life, you know. But then there might be 15 minutes where they say something like really amazing and profound that I can connect with. But again, you have to be willing to commit that hour and then you have to be willing to spend maybe 20, 30 minutes talking to one person on direct message and listening to them. Like they feel like they've never been heard or never given the chance to speak their opinion because it's always critiqued or disregarded so I think that's what they connect with with fluff is that we're there to listen and I don't know how we can scale that that's my biggest concern but it's something that I really want to protect and fight for if I can and I think also
0: like if at the heart of it is like human and connection that it will find its way, you know, like that's just pure goodness. Mm. You've got to believe that that's more powerful and ultimately, you know, will succeed over the
1: drek bullshit masculinity of the world. Mm. And on that, you were talking about having that respect for younger people and they have their own voice and not talking down to them. And I think you mentioned earlier to us that a lot of your employees are younger That's really interesting because, yeah, for us, most of the people that we've employed have been straight out of uni or interns. We get a lot of interns in that they come in and they're like, oh, am I going to be getting a lot of coffees? And we're like, no. (laughs) We don't drink
0: coffee. Yeah, you You
1: know, and like we empower them and our 21-year-old intern will be writing our EDMs that go out every week. And yeah. we don't see age in our
2: office in that way. And it sounds like you don't either. Yeah. Emily Weiss from Glossier has this amazing quote. It was something along the lines of never dismissing an idea like based on like a hierarchy of individuals, right? Like an amazing idea can come from an intern straight out of Union you or still in high school, or it can come from Someone who's been in business for 30, 40 years. Everyone should be given the chance to say what they feel or what they think. I think so long as they can justified or be able to explain it, there's no reason why they should feel like they can't contribute or that it shouldn't be a valid opinion, like on the table and up for discussion. Absolutely. And then how does that inform the
0: content that you create? Like even just going on your website, I'm like, ah, I don't know where to go. (laughs) How do
2: I shop this thing? I know. (laughs) The user experience is very questionable and it's changed a lot. And that's something, again, that we have to balance out is what we want to do that's cool and then what's actually shoppable and you know isn't going to push people away and it it does like we probably get an email a week from a designer or developer being like your UX sucks let me fix it for you and we're like it's meant to be that way thanks (laughs) but you know that was something I kind of had to break away from and still our creative team has to constantly think about and we challenge ourselves on is that we came from experience in like big ad agencies or marketing agencies and even Frank, which was sort of built upon big campaigns in the end and a lot of brands still, you know, invest so much money in these shoots and campaigns that are up for a day and then it's like, cool, on to the next $10,000, dollars $30,000 campaign. And we just realised that, especially in these kind of younger generation, like that's not what matters. They see through all that kind of very stereotypical or typical messaging like they really just want connection and that connection can come through an iphone photo so we definitely changed our sort of aesthetic approach and we referenced tumblr's aesthetic a lot and you know most millennials are sort of like tumblr what like who is on that but We fucking love it and we spend so much time on it and it's not about traffic hits for us, it's just about understanding this kind of subculture of influence and reference and how we can lean on that and find our own sort of quirk and you know it's kind of interesting even seeing like your mood boards in the office and stuff and one question I'm really interested in is like how you foster that individual creativity where we're in a world where everyone's doing the same stuff and you can release a campaign and then within six months every other brand is talking about the same stuff and it's like okay cool what do we do now Mm. so we had to like have a looser grip on our like creative restraints or our creative guidelines and being like fluff represents all these consumers. There's not one typical fluff girl. Like you could say that there's probably a very typical milk makeup consumer, or a very typical Glossier consumer. So it can't just be, you know, a pink feed or a really kind of strange sort of quotation mark trend lord feed. Like it just needs to be this mix of all the people who are coming to fluff. And it is so varied, which I'm really proud of that, that we can have this mix of individuals who, you know, back in the day might never have interacted at school but are kind of like, hey, I respect who you are and what you want and that's another thing about Gen Z or younger generations is they want everyone to be themselves. Basically, acceptance of individuality and expression is just like the standard whereas we still have to have, I think, difficult conversations with our age group and particularly our parents around acceptance around everything from ethnic heritage to gender roles all of that is like very difficult for older audiences to understand because they they haven't grown up with it whereas this younger generation they're just like yep you're different cool which is so cool and refreshing
1: because it's kind of like what we all secretly wanted you know I feel like our generation millennials We didn't grow up like our parents where it was like do things by the book, get married, have kids, do things at these right stages. We've already started to question that and we want to be unique but we can't quite put ourselves out there. So it's kind of like they're doing what we really wanted to do. But it's interesting that they're so individual in the way you say like you can't put them in a box, they're also unique because I think – brands are really gonna struggle to understand that because brands are like, no, but which box, sorry, like what? Yeah, what's the target demographic? Like yeah. tell us their qualities. And it's mm. almost like we're probably gonna be seeing this big shift in the way businesses operate because they're gonna have to change if everybody wants to be unique. And it's really awesome that you're kind of at the forefront of that. It reminds me of the way that younger people now we're shopping more ethically and people want to do their grocery shopping at a farmer's market or support local business rather than global. And it's kind of like all these issues that we're having with our world and globalization at the moment, these are kind of the answers that we need is like, these huge industries took over and we're saying right now okay the answers to this is stop with this mass production fast fashion like it's not sustainable it's kind of encouraging and positive that the young people they just intrinsically won't be drawn to those things
2: yeah it's amazing they care about so much and I think Greta Thunberg said like, it is so hard being a kid these days because we care so much. When I was a kid, like I didn't care about anything in the bad sense, like we just consumed because there was no other option or we didn't know the stories behind the consumption or the impact that it was having. But now these young people have all that information and they're so overwhelmed by it and they feel really responsible because they look at potentially millennials, but then the older generation being like, well, they're not doing anything about it. We have to, Mm. because this is their future more than any of ours. Mm. So they feel like they have to protect that. Yeah. The other
0: day we were at a big family dinner. I heard my uncle turn to my grandpa and go, oh my gosh, the other day, my daughter, like the 18 year old said to me, Big business is bad. Big business is evil. Can you believe that? And then they both just pissed themselves (laughs) laughing. (laughs) And doesn't that perfectly sum it up? And I was just sitting there being like, well, she's right. But like they were like, that is the dumbest thing ever. It wasn't penetrating. There was no
1: questioning. Oh, they're so incredible. Like that same 18-year-old, she finished year 12 last year and I was chatting to her last year and I was like, so cool that you guys are protesting with the whole Greta Thunberg movement that came up, school striking for climate. And I was like, oh, it's so cool. Do you guys all protest? And she was like, oh, protesting is such a scene. You know, like <laughs> there are the kids who want to like protest. And I was laughing that like, for us growing up, it was the cafeteria bullshit. And now for them, it's protesting is such a given that there's protest politics.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. It's so interesting. If that's our future, I feel like we're yeah, in good hands. Yeah, it quite
0: good. Yeah, exactly. So, Frank was built during the golden era of Instagram before it was like so saturated and just so difficult to get any cut through. So, we were really interested how you've gone about building your community this time around because it's definitely completely different climate.
2: Yeah, it's so different and it's super, super challenging, especially when you care about the message so much and are so emotionally invested. When we launched Frank Body, there was no algorithms. There was no payment required from influencers, or it was very little, if anything. And they just weren't really many brands on Instagram mm, you posted and then it showed it to yeah, your followers. it was amazing because we've
0: had the exact same experience as well like we started how to live our blog like in 2012 and it was sweet so many followers straight away and then once we launched tubes
2: we're like oh shit this yeah. is really hard <laughs> it's super hard and I think more than anything it's just changing our expectations and I always say like our parents generation are laughing being like this is what it takes to run a business it doesn't happen overnight you know or in two years <laughs> so we with fluff we're like this is a minimum like a five to seven year plan but I think when you shift your expectation around it then you can try and enjoy it more and be like cool we've got to go slow so we can do things that are a lot more intentional So, you know, I wanted to spend a lot more time with consumers because I felt like with Frank, I didn't have that connection. You know, there was what I wanted for the brand, but I felt really disconnected from what our customers wanted, which, you know, is a big reason why we have a store and the studio in Fitzroy where girls help us create all of our content But the advertising space is kind of crazy and that that also feels really counterintuitive to what fluff stands for. But it's essentially just like paying rent online. My friend told me that. And, you know, I think when you look at it that way, it's like, cool, if we're going to be there, we have to pay to be there. And that can help get our message across to more people. We made this like very intentional choice not to use traditional influencers in terms of like a payment model. We still gift a lot of product, but we didn't want to just go with the typical beauty influencer that promotes every product that's out there. That was especially because of probably the messaging and the vibe that we wanted to put across, that it was more about the personality and the connection of the people who would represent the brand. But I really wanted to feel like they understood what we were trying to do and were invested in it and wanted to share the message as opposed to just holding a product next to their face, you know, Mm. which it's hard because there's still a lot of businesses who do that and who make a lot of money doing that. The traditional influencer network or community still does work for particular products but had I wanted to go down that path, like I probably would have stayed at Frank Body or I would have launched something else. So this represented something very different for me. But I think there's really been this shift with consumers whereby, like you guys said, there was this peak at the time of Frank Body and when your blog launched and you had Triangle Swimwear, we had the whole detox tea like phase and consumers just wanted more. And there was a point where I think everyone was really proud to open up their bathroom cabinet and be like, look at all my fucking products. I've got 20 cleansers and I've color coordinated them. How cool is this? Now everyone's like, oh my God, closing their cabinet door. I'm ashamed of all my products. I have 20 cleansers and there's no way I'm going to use them in this lifetime, let alone within their expiry date. It's done a bit of a spin and consumers are sort of like, I want to have less. And that's where it works to our advantage because we speak to that audience, but that's still like a minority. And I think it's really hard when we're north side and it's like so many girls and women don't wear makeup or so many people are shopping at an organic grocer as opposed to the big supermarkets and no one has plastic bags. And I can be in this bubble and be like, yes, the world is changing. Like everyone's kind of into this, but that's a bubble that we live in. And so that's this balance. And for all of us in business, you can have your sort of little target group and you sort of want to start there because they'll help spread your message. But how do you make an impact with the majority and the mass consumer Mm. who aren't seeing that messaging and potentially don't? care about that messaging yet just because they're not exposed to it.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like everything starts small anyway. Yeah. You know, like it's gotta start with something. Yeah. It's kind of like the early adopters. Yeah, totally so, like yeah. trickle on.
2: And that was our strategy. I was like, I want to find a hundred girls who care about fluff like I do. And every time we met a girl, we just said introduce us to a friend. And that's the same thing. When people come into our studio, we just say, hey, if you've like actually enjoyed the time here, because they usually stay for like two to three hours, I'm like Bring someone next week. Because I think a store as well can be a bit intimidating for people. And we get that feedback sometimes because Shelby, Ellen and my faces are all over Instagram and it can feel like we've got our own little like club. I don't know if you guys ever get that feedback too where people are like scared to meet you or intimidated and then whenever they come into our store, I'm like, yeah, it's just us. Like we're a bit of a letdown, you know, yeah. <laughs> We're just normal people. And once people feel comfortable in this space, they want to stay for a long time. But it's, so it's like, how do you get that across if you don't have a store? And when people are looking at your social profile for so long, where again, it can be often just the nice side of it. But I love that you're breaking down that wall
1: and inviting people into it. I remember for us, When Instagram started and that was like at the peak of How to Live, we grew really quickly and people were commenting on our things a lot and it was before people really knew how to engage and we were like, well, we don't want to be writing back to every comment because we want to maintain this illusion of where these like elusive characters. Yeah, we don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not reading every comment. You know, and then we started to be like, oh, wait, no, we should be interacting with them. Like we should be putting them on our level and you inherently know that and I feel like that's part of why you will just be so
2: successful in this. And that's, I think what brands just need to do is be more human and introduce that element and just take the time to talk to consumers because there's just so many options for people to choose from these days. So if you don't have that connection, like what's the point? Why would people stick around? And
0: do you ever feel Overwhelmed every by day. All the issues. <laughs> yeah. And like how your brand can tackle them. Because we have that in our office
2: like yeah. all the time. Yeah, every day. And I'm getting better at dealing with that overwhelm and recognizing it when it's just this like little kind of feeling in my stomach, and then I'm like, okay how do i know let this like fully consume me and i think just talking to the people at work and the people that i care about and sharing that those concerns as it's building really helps And then just knowing every little bit counts of what we're doing, right? And it's what you shared before and that it can feel like, fuck, should we be out there protesting every day? Or or I always say like the best thing we can do is actually just stop making products, right? And go and live in the forest. But Mm. that's not going to happen. And if we can have an influence on the rest of the world and make small changes there, like that's enough and that can be good. So that's how I try and I guess balance it out for me and, just constantly keep focus on our goal and talk about what our goal is and why we're all there. And I think that calms my overwhelm.
1: Wow, amazing. I feel like so inspired now to go out and talk to our customers more because I feel like mm. it's something we talk about doing a lot, but we definitely don't do it enough. So really inspired by that.
2: Yeah, it's fun. I would definitely recommend it. A lot of brands are encouraging their audience to be themselves, yet the brands can't take their own advice and just be themselves. Mm. So, like, that's my sort of thing. It's like every brand needs to find their own thing and when you're doing your own thing, that will bring more people to your network and then just have the conversations like learn and then people will tell other people
0: yeah and it's so easy when you have a full to-do list to be like I didn't have time for that but it's like no one has time for anything unless they're making
1: time
2: priority yeah exactly question yeah
1: so we do always end off our interviews with some quick
2: fires Mm -hmm. which app do you spend the most time on oh instagram for work but actually just messages and emails. So I hate phone calls and I'm always like, just message me. And they pile up. Mm. What's your favourite skincare brand? Well, Fluff is developing a lot of skincare, so I want to say I'll just use that. But I actually really love Josh Rosebrook. At the moment, he's amazing. American started off in hair, was just obsessed with natural formulas and I've been wearing his tinted SPF sometimes. His formulas are just beautiful. Who's someone you love following on Insta? (laughs) We always send each other in the office. My business partner, who's like the most stereotypical like male, sends me these posts from small posts, which is just tiny animals. So I (laughs) love that. I love Balenciaga. I just think how they just don't give a fuck like is hilarious and we just send each other that, like just how they're just like we're just going down this path. Do you have a dream fluff collab? Yes. I always was like I want Off-White to make us a makeup bag. Oh, oh that's a great yeah. idea. Uh, I want that makeup, just say bag. makeup bag. I love Virgil. Like I think what he's done is incredible. Yeah, I and, see the alignment there. Yeah. We just want to do different stuff too. So, yeah. What's your favourite food? I like bread and butter and wine. <laughs> Yum. At the end of the day, that's what I could deal with. Mm, yeah.
1: At a good French restaurant.
2: Oh, yeah. I judge all restaurants based on their bread. Last one,
1: because you are such an expert on young people, <laughs> as we will now call them. Are there any other gaps that you've seen for products or businesses that you feel like could really service them that aren't at the moment?
2: That's a really interesting question. I think it is more around publishing platforms and editorial content that speaks to what they care about. It's so interesting seeing these digital magazines or magazines launching that are aimed at Gen Zs and the way that they talk to them. Like, I'm this close to emailing their editors and being like, you fucked it up, like you've got it all right. (laughs) Yeah, just a space where they're allowed to be themselves. Instead of telling Gen Z what to think, everyone just needs to say, what are you thinking? And that's what we should be publishing. So, I, yeah, I reckon it's more around content sharing as opposed to products. There's enough out there. I would say, like, less is more. They want less. Cool. cool. Thank you so much. for is, having me. This is me. so wonderful.
1: Did we tell you guys or did we tell you guys, I know you are now in love with Erica what a human being. I hope you are just feeling incredibly inspired from that. And one of my favorite quotes that she said there was, it's okay to feel more in makeup so long as you don't feel less without it. And I feel like that is something that we could all really adopt and the world would be better for it. Hmm, I love that. That's awesome. So if you did
0: like this episode as much as we did, which I'm assuming you did, we'd love you to absolutely help us get the word out. You can do that in a few ways by rating it five stars, of course, sharing it with your friends. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there right now that need to hear this content. Also, please do share a picture of you listening to the episode on Instagram with tag at how to live. And we will be continuing the conversation over on our Facebook group, how to live the podcast with lots of bonus
1: content coming this week over there. Yeah. So next week we have promised you an incredible dynamic duo. And that is, of course, the lovely Jess and Steph, the founders of how to live. What a coincidence. We So the two of us are going to be doing an In Conversation episode next week. We can't wait, you guys. We will see you then. And in the meantime, hope you have an absolutely beautiful week and can't wait to keep connecting with you on socials throughout the week. Bye. See you guys.